Praise God. That's awesome. You should be all excited about that. This is amazing stuff, isn't it? God is so good. He's got it all. He does. So glad that you're with us, not only in person, but those of you that are joining us online. And uh, I'm probably going to need that, right? Never mind. We're good. We are not a perfect church or perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help. He's provided that help through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hope you know that. You should remember that. You should recall that, especially if you're inviting somebody to church. Because if they come in here for the first time, and if you're a guest for the first time, welcome. And you look around and we don't look normal, it's because we're not. <clears throat> None of us are, except in our own mind. But we are here because we know we need the help that Jesus Christ has provided for us. And he's called us into this place so that we can love him and serve him together. It's an amazing God that we serve. I'm very excited about what God's doing. If it's a little bit warm in here, I'm sorry about that. We're working on some stuff. We did have a little, uh, little challenge with our, somebody tried to steal our AC stuff and messed everything up. It's okay. You know what? The enemy wants us to focus on stuff and, and let other things mess us up. It's just stuff. It's no big deal. Churches existed without AC before. They did. Actually, I pastored one of them. <clears throat> It was in Michigan, though, so it was a little easier. I just want you to know. <laughs> anyway, change, huh? God is bringing us to this place where he is calling us into understanding of who he is in a new and profound way. God is so incredibly, he's just awesome. He is. There are challenges, of course. I hope that you felt challenged this week. If you had a free ride all week long, you probably should spend a little more time in prayer, right? <laughs> Because we live in a world that is full of darkness. And in that, we recognize and we've been called by God to look at this, the, the reality of the fact that we're in a spiritual battle right now. Always in this life and in this world, we will be in a spiritual battle. And the enemy wants to come against us. And God has promised those that serve him that he will lead us to victory in every way. So I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just trying to make us aware. And God wants us to be aware of what's happening around us. And that's why in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the, the spiritual battles that we're in and are going on around us and that we would look past the human element, past the physical people in our lives to understand where the spiritual challenges are truly coming from. Remember, as we looked and we just shared about when Jesus was talking about going to give his life on Calvary and Peter said, that's not the way it's going to be because in his flesh he wanted to protect Jesus is what he thought and then Jesus said get behind me Satan you do not seek the things of God but you seek the things of man now in that context of that conversation Jesus was not saying Peter was Satan nor was Peter filled with Satan nor was he possessed by anything it was the human element of this world trying to deal with something that was far beyond this world and it was trying to inhibit what God had planned. And so then Jesus teaches us something right there to look past that person to the spirit that's behind that, trying to get us off track, right? Man, if you don't get anything else out of this, please take that with you and learn to live with it because when we do, we, we will not be as offended as some of us get so easily. When we look at what God's word tells us, God tells us that Jesus Christ has given us authority because he took authority in this place and therefore we serve a victorious king. We were singing about him, looking at all this stuff, celebrating all that God has done for us. Now we have to take that celebration of the promised victories of God, the authority of Christ, and we need to apply it in our lives every single day. In the job, in the home, 
in traffic, in the internet, in social media. See, in every area of our life, we've got to learn to live in the authority of Christ, live in the victory that's been provided, and to stand in the truth of who Christ is in all areas. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to read to you some scriptures from Jesus as he has told us that he's, hey, he has all authority because he's God. Don't forget that. But let's listen to the word of God. Matthew 12, verse 22. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. Before I read any further, listen, there was, there was a physical implication to this man's life that was brought about because of a demonic possession. This stuff is real. Not everybody that's blind and can't speak is possessed. Don't get, you know, like crazy. And don't think that every sickness is a demonic oppression. When we look at what Jesus says to us right here, we, we want to learn something from what he's saying and not get caught up in these things. Listen to what he tells us. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and he replied, any kingdom divided by war is doomed, by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I'm empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you have said. But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Isn't that awesome? Ladies and gentlemen, I want us to see from God's word that what happened in you and I, we were possessed by sin. You may not have been demon possessed. I pray you weren't. But listen, what happened is when we came to Christ, he came in and he plundered the house and he took up residence in our lives. And our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is more powerful than the enemy, more powerful than sin, more powerful than anything in this world because he has the authority because he's God. <clears throat> yeah, he teaches us something so important here, something that we need to get. Jesus is warning us that division equals destruction. You cannot stand together and be divided. You can't live together and be divided. You can't remain in relationship with one another and be divided. When division is present, there is no unity. There is no agreement. And there is no power. Church, Jesus is teaching us something that we need to grasp today and apply in our lives. Remember, we're talking about a spiritual battle that is happening, something that's going on in your life and mine all the time as the enemy is trying to plant seeds of division. It's seen in sports. It's part of the reason why you saw that video at the front, I'm sure. Right? We have our teams. We are pro somebody and pro not somebody else it's called division 
or in sports we call it rivalry all right but see the thing is is that when you begin to look within those individual teams if there's no unity they'll never win every coach knows this they have to all be on the same page and when they start to be defeated the infighting surfaces if you go to a, a losing team's locker room they're not all loving each other they're blaming each other they know who the problem is it's never them right i mean if you've ever played any sports you know this it's in every political government everyone always blames the other and if everyone would align with what i say and agree with we'd be all good i don't care what side of the political field you're on that's the mentality and you see that's why there's division and that's what the enemy wants jesus warned us that a nation in civil war will never stand Okay, we're going to talk about that in a minute. It's seen in families. The enemy's always trying to plant seeds of division between husbands and wives, between parents and children. Trying to put that division in there and saying like, no, that's not the right way. And then if the kid knows that mom and dad can be played against each other, the kid does. Mom and dad need to be on the same page. See, in unity. And when we're in unity, there won't be a division. Well, we're not just doing a parenting 101, but that's a pretty good place to start for y'all to have kids and grandkids right there for real. But I want to talk a little bit more about this. It's seen in churches. It's uh, amazing to me how many churches have divided, split, fallen apart, all caused by division. Who is that? It surely isn't God. The divider is Satan himself. And when the church loses vision of Jesus Christ being the leader of the church, then the church is prone and ready to fall. It happens in nations. What do you think is going on in our country right now? A desire and a push for division. A racial division. A social economic division. A master unmasked division. A vaccinated or unvaccinated division. Where do you think all that's coming from? It is coming from the pits of hell. Yeah. Desiring for us to see skin color rather than people. To see masks or faces. We're looking at these things and we're like picking sides and dividing ourselves and the enemy is behind all of it. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, when you look into your history... We have some amazing things that have happened in our history. We've had some incredible God-fearing leaders, one of which was President Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, with all my heart, believe was a man of God. All of our historical friends and people try and not make him one because he was not a member of a church, and this was the words of our president. He said, when a church has for its motto... You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. I will join that church. <laughs> but he would not join a church, although he faithfully attended regularly, because the churches were all about their own ideas and not about Jesus Christ. We're talking about a president of the United States. Just think of that for a moment. Now, I'm not just talking about Abraham Lincoln. It's not his day. Just going to talk about something here, though. 
He delivered a speech one day called A House Divided. I don't know if any of you know your history, but see, he took the very words of Christ to deal with an issue and a topic in our nation that was destroying our country, and that topic was slavery. What you may not know is he delivered that message as he was campaigning to be a senator, not president. And because he delivered that statement, he lost his Senate bid. If you would look it up, not now, but later today, I would encourage you to look it up and read it. A House Divided, the speech of Abraham Lincoln. When you go there and you look at that, you will see that his political advisor said, you better not deliver this speech. And he was angry with him. All kinds of people were upset about him delivering this speech because it was political suicide. At that time, church, what you may not know is individual states in our nation at that time had their own laws about slavery, which was drawing the line between North and South. Those states that voted that you could not have slaves and those that did. So the individual states were taking their authority to establish their own law. Huh. Anyway, just looking at history for a second, think it through. As we look at what was going on then, soon to be President Abraham Lincoln looked at our nation and in that speech said, no nation will stand divided because these are the words of Christ. And he said, we are going to either go one way or the other, but we will not remain divided and stand. Church, I'm not giving a political speech here today, so don't like turn me off because we're talking about a spiritual thing that's happening right now and that we need to see what God is saying to us through this. We're looking back at history and seeing what's going on. When Abraham Lincoln lost his Senate seat, God was at work. It did not appear that God was at work when you lose an election, but God was at work because you see the now not Senator Abraham Lincoln was free to travel. And he began to travel for the next 16 months across our country, speaking the message of unity and the abolition of slavery. And because of that, he began to go to all of the political events throughout the nation with no political tie, even though we know he was a Republican. That's not, please don't go off anywhere. Listen, he had no political history because he wasn't elected. So no one saw him as doing favors for someone. They heard his message and Abraham Lincoln was elected as the president of the United States in the election of 1860, having not held that other office. Because God was up to something. <laughs> I love it. Now, as we sit here today and we're looking at stuff, I just I want you to know that whom President Lincoln defeated was a former governor of New York and a current Senate member, and his name was William Seward, and he was a shoo-in to be the next post, you know, like a candidate for the Republican Party. I also want you to know he was anti-slavery as well, which is kind of unique, and somebody would think, wait, wait, wait. No, but he had some political ties and stuff that was not healthy, and he was not very um, diplomatic. 
Abraham Lincoln was given a gift by God as a very diplomatic, passionate man. God used him to not only end the sin of slavery in our nation, but to bring a reuniting of the United States of America. Now, church, as I look at that, I am not talking about, you know, a reuniting of our country. I'm looking at the fact that, see, in our history, our leaders knew who God was and that his word was truth. And that if we didn't live that truth, we would fall. Right? Okay. So looking at this in the idea of the spiritual battles, we in the church today need to learn something not only from our own history as we look at it, but understanding what God's word says to us and how to identify the enemy's divisive tactics that he uses against us so that we are not deceived ourselves. It's okay if you like the Ohio State Buckeyes. It's okay if you do. I'll hug you. I'll tell you I love you because I know Jesus says I have to. Okay? I don't care. I told my friend over here, Rocky, that I, he was wearing a Cowboys hat, and I told him, I said, when I talk about the Cowboys later, don't forget I love you. Okay? Okay, it rubbed me the wrong way. Just as a little kid, when the Cowboys called themselves America's team, I'm like, who gives them the right to say something stupid like that? They're not my team. I was just a little boy, and I knew that. Just take a hint, some of y'all, you know? I mean, it didn't take a lot of gray, gray matter to figure out that that isn't true, okay? <laughs> All right. So, as you understand then, you see, we're proud to wear our colors when we're sports fans. And when we're doing good, we parade it everywhere, which is why I never wear lion stuff. Okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. But you see, this is the thing though. Like we have to be who we are all the time and understand who we represent. All right, so let's go past the sports analogies and we won't even talk about motorcycles. I tell everybody all the time, you know, I've had, no, I'm, I mean, I wanna hear, I want you to hear me really for real in this in full throttle as our motorcycle ministry. Um, I've had people tell me, no, 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 I'm not going to come ride with you. I don't have a Harley. And it's like, what difference does that make? I don't care what you ride. <laughs> See, there's this idea, and many who ride Harleys have it, that they're the elite and exclusive. Seriously, it's out there. I know it is, because I used to ride Kawasaki's all the time before my kids moved out, and I could afford a Harley. That <laughs> was just on our grocery bill, for real. My three boys... They ate a Harley every month. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I know because when I'd ride that Kawasaki, you guys on Harleys wouldn't wave to me. All bikers wave to each other, right? And I'm talking about back in Michigan. We're, they're pretty made in America pro strong there because of the Motor City. And it was just like they wouldn't even wave at you or acknowledge you existed if you weren't riding a Harley. For real. Okay. So... It's okay if you have short hair. I don't care. I don't care if your hair is purple. I don't care if you're bald. I don't. Listen, church, see, here's the thing. 
Whatever your style may be is immaterial, and we allow those types of things to divide us. Because someone's dressed a certain way or not a certain way, we divide. I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about the world. When someone comes in and they have a bunch of tattoos, not in this church, but in a lot of other churches, if someone comes in with a bunch of tattoos, they're automatically viewed as, they'll be at the altar today or they won't be back. (laughs) For real. I'm not just saying that. See, church, the enemy is all about division. He's all about dividing us, separating us, and keeping us in our own little spaces to keep us from being united. Because when we are united, we are the body of Christ, and we are unstoppable. Because we've been given victory in Christ, right? I mean, we do it with churches and stuff. We're trying to get, please hear me right when I say this. We're trying to get people from other churches to come to our church. I don't want them here. I mean that respectfully. If God's telling them to leave their church and it's the Holy Spirit, then by all means, get out of that church. And that's this one too. Okay? But inviting someone from another church to come to our church because we think our church is better is like ridiculous. (laughs) Don't do that. There's a lot of unsaved people that need Jesus that can fill the seats around us. And that's who God is calling us to reach, not the saved to resave them in our idea. If the church is teaching Jesus Christ, leave them alone and pray for them. Okay, for real. The the key of all of this is if you are 100% a saved, born again, obedient child of God, then we're part of the same family. All right, stop looking at the division of churches and names and walls. It's all about Jesus. And if Jesus is the primary in that ministry, then we are brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what they look like, no matter what their name is. That is not embracing cults. I'm not embracing all faiths. It's all about Jesus. If that church doesn't teach Jesus Christ as God, Savior, born of a virgin, died on the cross, and the third day rose again, and ascended into heaven, sent the Holy Spirit, that Jesus, then get everyone out of there you can. Amen. Amen. We can allow ourselves to divide over some of the craziest things, and in so doing, we become weakened, and we become ineffective for the kingdom of God. (laughs) Satan's number one target is the church and family. That's who he wants to take out. And so his primary objective is to get us divided. I I personally believe that one of his greatest tools today is social media. I do. Because we're so pro ourselves and our own ideas that we're dividing and fighting ourselves constantly over everything. And God is calling us to be reconcilers. Do you know he's given us the ministry of reconciliation not division. (laughs) We need to relearn that, I think. So as we consider these things and look at what Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, writing to the church, the Apostle Paul says, I wrote to you as I did. He's referencing 1 Corinthians. This is the second time he wrote to the Corinthian church. To preface this, I want you to know the Corinthian church was the problem church. They had all kinds of issues in them. I'm grateful for these two books because it deals with people and their walk with God and the issues that come up when we come together. And so when you look at the Corinthians, remember that. This was a divided 
opinionated problem church. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes some corrections by the Holy Spirit to give the church, us, direction on how to deal with stuff. In one of that sections, there was an individual that was causing problems in the church. Hear what he writes here. I wrote to you as I did to test you and see if you would fully comply with my instructions. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. So that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. So the Apostle Paul is telling us something about division and how forgiveness plays a role in that. And how unforgiveness plays a role in that. Amen. Hmm. So he's like, if you forgive, I forgive. We're doing so on the authority of Christ. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's not about them. It's in the fact that Jesus Christ has called us as the followers of him to be a forgiving people. Amen. And so he says, forgive. So he's addressing this issue and he's talking to us about forgiveness because what he's reminding us in this passage is so that Satan will not outsmart us. Because he's a deceiver, the father of lies, and he's a divider. And so he's saying like, church, open your eyes. Don't be deceived. Don't fall because we already know who he is and what he does. We know how he works. Satan we're talking about. Church, we need to be more aware of Satan's schemes. How is it that we've lost that sight to see what he's doing when he tries to bring me a dividing idea about someone else? How did we lose that? The Holy Spirit's faithfully saying, like, don't do that. And yet we continually feed that through our social media, through what we follow and watch and be a part of, instead of looking at what God's Word says and being obedient to the Scriptures and to what God is trying to lead us into. Who is it that you have an attitude towards right now that you need to forgive and ask forgiveness for yourself? Just going to pause so that you can see that face. Who or what is it that's causing you to see those around you as them? <clears throat> see, the enemy's the one that wants you to see them. It's all over the place. It's everywhere in our culture. Them versus us. No matter what side you're on, no matter who you are, that's the theme behind every one of the divisive things that are working out there and in the church. Us and them. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? How aware are you of Satan's schemes to divide? Do you see him trying to be actively involved in your family life? Do you see him trying to mess up your marriage relationship? Do you see him trying to get you to see things at the church that is wrong to you? You follow me, church? See, well, are we aware of his schemes? Do we see it for what it is? Okay, so that's some of his schemes. Let's look at another one. Then, in Luke 22, then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Okay, we're not talking about the Pharisees here. 
We're not talking about the Sadducees. We're not talking about the Romans or any. We're talking about the disciples, the apostles of Jesus Christ themselves. And guess when this conversation is happening? Right after the Lord's Supper, right after Passover, right after he washed their feet and told them to be servants. Listen to this. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Division. Where's that coming from? I'm better than you. I should have the seat of authority. I should have the title. I should be recognized for this. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them in the, this world, the kings and the great men lorded over their people. Yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should be like a servant. Amen. Who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one that sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus, help us. Do you see the heart of Christ? Do you see that when he's saying, like, when I put my spirit within you, see the Holy Spirit, did you notice he said it will be different among you? Jesus was like, I know why you're jacked up right now. Because you're in your flesh. The Holy Spirit's coming and it will be different. You're going to have the servant heart of Christ himself in you. And you will seek to serve, not to be elevated, not to hold a position or call yourself by a title. See, we see Satan's schemes here at work right amongst the disciples themselves. We look at that and it's like, man, those guys were stupid. While we are seeing other people in the same way. We're not like the world. This is Jesus telling us. We're not like them. Oh, wait a minute. There's a them? Yeah. Saved and unsaved, that's the only line that's drawn. But you see, we're supposed to be reaching them, not shunning them. And Jesus said, your life should look different, and that is the first attraction to them so that they become us. Hmm. Here they were seeking placement, power, title, image, instead of looking at servant. Heart. I mean, like, I can't get over the fact that this was right after he washed their feet. <laughs> See, the self-serving attitude of the world is not to be found in the life of a Christian. That's not to be found in the church. Too often we're looking for ways to be served rather than to serve. I, I mean this respectfully when I want to say this to you though because around the church community as a pastor in churches I know that people shop for churches looking at what the church can provide for them and their family. So we're looking for where we can be served the best. Okay, instead of seeking what is it the Holy Spirit is leading me to and where does he want me to serve him? So because a church may not have a specific ministry that you want for your family, maybe because he's calling you to be there to start that ministry. Amen. So it may be that he's calling you to serve where no one else is willing to serve. Amen. So, yeah. 
We just have to wake up, church. It, it's, it, it is totally not the heart of Christ to be viewing what the church can do for me. I'm sorry, but it's not. It's biblical. Jesus taught it. He's showing us. I'm running out of time here, but I got to show you the end of uh, this. I guess that's the date, 1031. I thought it was time. Um, it's up on that clock over there. Freaked me out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> my tech team's going to freeze that screen now. <laughs> I want to look at another scheme the enemy gives to us and what he's doing, right? Which many of us are guilty of, and it's one of the things that I have honestly struggled with the most. Luke 10, verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. So there's another verse we're going to touch after this, but I want to make a couple points here. The very first thing we need to notice is that uh, Mark, Martha's the one that welcomed Jesus into her home. Not Mary, Martha. Martha invited him to her home. Mary went and sat at Jesus' feet. It says, Martha was distracted by preparing a big dinner. It doesn't say that Jesus said, Hey, Martha, thanks for inviting me. Would you make everybody dinner? So Martha instigated the whole thing. Martha did that because she was a doer. So she instigated the invitation. She instigated the dinner. And then she found fault with her sister because she wasn't doing what she was doing. Division in the home and the family. I look at that and I'm like, man, Lord, it's crazy because, you know, the natural gift, obviously, of Martha was a hostess. She was naturally that way. It's obvious. It is. And if you host anything, you know it's a bunch of work. It is. And sometimes in the midst of the work, it can be questioning why did I do this? <laughs> and as you're being overwhelmed by all the work, it's easy to look around you and say, why aren't they here helping? Where are they at? Why aren't they doing that? Are you kidding me? You're sitting over there playing a video game? I'm just trying to put it in modern you know, time here. You're watching a football game right now. Seriously, right now. Okay, so when we look at this, it's like... See, here's the thing. Martha was doing a good thing. I mean, what better could you be doing than making a dinner for Jesus and his friends? So we can see, like, justifying ourselves and what we're doing, and we're doing it because it needs to be done, and we want to serve. So there's a servant-heartedness involved. There's a desire to do something good for Jesus, doing something good for his friends, and yet the vision still is present. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> okay. Just because you decide to do something doesn't mean everybody else has to. <laughs> because you see a need doesn't mean others see that need. 
Because you have a passion for something doesn't mean everyone should share your passion. One of the things that I know as a pastor, for all the years I've been a pastor, is everyone who feels a passion to their ministry is frustrated that everyone else doesn't feel that same passion. It's for real. So it's like we get isolated in our own little ministry world and we're like, we need more people to do this. I'm not talking about you guys in the tech because I knew you were short today. <laughs> or the nursery that's been short forever. But what happens is that we get in our own area and say, why isn't everyone else serving? Someone complained to me about this one day, like one day, a lot of times throughout my ministry life, but this specific time, someone wrote me an email complaining about the lack of workers in the church and what needed to be done. So what I did as an exercise for myself, I was like, huh, I wonder what that is. And I began to write down every name involved in every ministry and every area of service that we have. And I kept going and going and going. And I had like, I believe at that time, like 68 people that were involved in some kind of servant placement within the church. Because see, like there's kids XP happening, there's nursery happening, there's security team happening, there's tech people, there's worship people, there's cafe people and probably others, oh, people that are cleaning up through the week in different areas, you know what I'm saying? Like there's all kinds of stuff going on. And so when I wrote this person back, I said, you realize that there's over, like there's 68 people that are right now actively involved serving in some capacity within the church. And so when you do the math on that, the world knows that 20% of the people do 80% of the work, right? So 20% while 80 sit and play video games are doing all the work, Amen. right? Okay, so at that time when I did the math, we were way over the 20. I said, I want you to know that we're doing amazing. I mean, we were low comparative. I'm not denying that, I don't care. The thing is, is we were not like the world. Thank you, Jesus. We were not at 100% yet, but we weren't there. And if we sit in our own little space and view them in the body of Christ, we're already creating a division that the enemy can work with to put a little schism in there to divide. Yeah. Not everyone is called to do the same thing for a reason. God is calling people to different areas because he has gifted them in different areas and he wants them to serve in certain areas. Some of you, I don't want you anywhere near our kids. Okay? <laughs> we want them to see the love of Jesus. And you're still working on that. It's okay. All right? Let's go on and read the verses so we don't get lost here. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Wow. <laughs> We're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. He's all about getting us to do rather than be. This is the biggest struggle I have in my life because I'm a Martha, I'm a doer. And so what God's saying is, Dave, it's great you do all that stuff for me, but will you be with me? Amen. Will you just leave the dinner sitting there? Just order pizza. I'm not being literal, but I'm saying like, you know, like it's okay to order pizza tonight and not do so that you and I can be 
Because while we're doing instead of being, we become susceptible to the schemes of the enemy. Because I'm so actively trying to do and be this person that I'm not actually being with the one who wants to transform the person. Amen. Nothing is more important than taking the time to spend at Jesus' feet. Amen. See, that, this is why we ask the accountability questions that I haven't asked in a few weeks. Have you spent at least five minutes a day, five days last week, reading and listening to God's word? Uh, do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Uh, have you taken some time to be alone with God with no agenda? Are you giving to God all your time, your talents, and resources as he has asked you to? Are you sharing Jesus with others? Those are accountability questions. And the reason for those questions is you see, as we look at this, we have got to take the time to be at Jesus' feet, which is what that is. Amen. Being with him in his word, being with him in prayer, being with him with not my agenda, but to be with him. It's that sitting at his feet and there will always be stuff to do. Amen. Church, there will always be stuff to do. As I go and be with God to be alone, I take, now I use my phone with my notepad, I shut off the sound so I can't answer your texts or anybody else's calls. And I open up that little notebook so that whenever I'm distracted by things to do, I mark them on the notebook so that I won't concentrate on that. Say, I'm going to forget about that. I got to make sure I do that. I should probably just go do that. God, I'll be right back. I'll get that done because it's going to keep me from being with you if I don't do it now. You know what I mean? I go do it and the next thing leads to the next thing to the next thing and the, and the thing that I've neglected is being with Jesus. Years ago, I, I'm grateful it's been years ago, my wife used to say something to me periodically, and she knew if I'd spent time with Jesus in the morning or not. I would have a certain uh, personality and voice as I would speak to her about stuff, and she would say, you haven't prayed yet today, have you? I'm grateful for that. Because you see, she was speaking truth to me. The fact is, is that when I wasn't being with him, I was being Dave. And Dave is not a good guy. He's a jerk sometimes. He's got a sharp tongue. He knows how to use it. Because he was raised in an environment where you just tear everybody down around you so you feel better about your broken self. And so when I'm not with Jesus, I begin to revert back into that personality type that's not who I am in Christ. And so as God says, Dave, you need to be with me. Trust me, you need to be with me. <laughs> I'm going to help you by giving your wife this discernment that's not real hard to see. Hey, you're a jerk. Go be with Jesus, you know? <laughs> because I don't want you with me right now, you know? Uh, she wasn't saying it in that way. But it was the same thing, right? So church, what God is calling us to is to make sure that we are being with him and not doing for him because the enemy has room to work when we're doing for him and not being with him. Because in that, as you see, the seeds of division are easily planted. There was a whole house full of people, but Martha picked out Mary right why because it was her sister and therefore she should do what i do 
She didn't feel that authority over any of the other guests, but she did her sister. Sometimes we're the most critical and harsh on our own family, church. Sometimes we're the most critical and harsh on the family. (laughs) Crazy. There is nothing or no one more important than your relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing or no one, no government, no political parties, no stance of anything other than Jesus. There is nothing more important than that. And if the church of Jesus Christ would be united on that point, we would be unstoppable. And this nation would humble themselves before God. They would. Because you see, it's the church that's divided. The world is divided because they're following sin. The church is supposed to be united because we're following Christ. He has the authority. He is the uniter. He's all that. Church, we've got to do this. Okay, so for the sake of the Marys here, um, I want to tell you that God's not giving you a free pass to never do anything. (laughs) I've done my thing. I'm going to sit now. That never happens. Even though our culture has taught retirees that the world now revolves around your agenda, God never has that plan. Just saying. Listen as we look at what he's telling us. He didn't tell Mary, you never have to do anything in the kitchen again. You never have to serve any place. No, he had just got done teaching his disciples that the life of a believer is all about servant-heartedness and serving. So don't take it like, well, I'm going to be Mary. I'm not doing anything this week. I'm not serving in any capacity. We're called to serve. We're called to work. He's simply saying, don't neglect the most important thing in life, which is being with me while you're doing stuff. Make sure you're with me. And then we can do stuff together and I will lead you into that stuff, right? All right. I'm on the action steps. Amen, aren't you glad? Church, have you repented of your sin and accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? That's my first action step every single week because it's the most important thing in your life. Have you done that? If you're watching online, there's a number down there. If you need to do that, please contact us. If you're in the house and you need to do that, please come forward. If you need help, we'll walk you through that. It's pretty simple. It's just a yes to Jesus and no to self. It really is. It's that simple. It's amazing. Sometimes we think it's too simple because we need to do something. He did it all, and he's available. He's amazing. Here's the next question for all of you that said yes to the first one. Where is Satan working on you to divide you? Where's it at? So if it's in your family, if it's in your home, if it's in your church, it's with your friends, wherever it is, at your work, whatever it is, we need to be wise because the Word of God says we're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. I see it. I know what he's doing. It's obvious. Shouldn't it be obvious to us? And now what are we going to do about that? What are we going to do in that area now that I see the enemy is working to try and get me to divide myself because of them what are you going to do first off you need to repent and you need to ask the holy spirit to give you a way to love that individual through that that whatever thing it is because he's called us to love them (laughs) right 
Love those that despitefully use you, those that abuse you, bless those that curse you. That's the words of Christ to the church. Okay, have you adjusted your schedule to make time to be with Jesus? Doing for him does not dismiss this time. So do you have like a time blocked out in your day for however long and then in your other time outside of church? If this is the only time you block out for Jesus, you need to adjust your calendar. You have to. If you're not spending time with Jesus outside of church, you're robbing yourself of what God wants to do fully in your life. This is part of it, but it's just part. Man, the relationship with Jesus outside of the church is just as phenomenal as the one inside. And they're very different. They are. And it should be. This is the family of God. This should all be like pretty much a good thing. It it should be. (laughs) All right? And if it's not, then you should probably pray about what's wrong with you and ask him to show you. Seriously. And then when we go out in the world, we have the opportunity and the privilege to represent Jesus there. And he has the way to showing himself to the world through us. That's pretty exciting. It really is. And it's what we're called to do and be. So let's do it, man. Let's stand together. Altar's open. Come on. Will you come to him now? Whatever he's talking to you about, come on. If you're seeing the schemes of the enemy, if you see that you've neglected if you see that you have divided or caused division, this is where we get it right right now. This is where we get it right. If you've been too busy doing for God to be with Him, please be with Him now. Just be with Him now. In quietness, alone with Him. Thank you, God. I thank you. <laughs> you are so amazing, Lord. We're humbled that you would ever want to be with us. (laughs) Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, help us to just develop and grow in that servant heart of Christ. Give us wisdom, discernment to see the schemes of the enemy all around us that is at work and help us to be the advocate and the reconciler that you've called us to be as your church, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for being patient and merciful with us. Thank you for leading us, for calling us to your feet to pause from the chaos of the life that's going on around us and say, just be with me. Thanks for this time we've been able to be with you together as the family. God, we praise you today and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church. God bless you today. Yeah, let's go forth in the unity and the power of Christ, man. God bless you.